What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trailblazer reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Blazers your first listen every day. It's free on all platforms, five days a week, coming at you every single weekday. So make it a part of your daily routine. Make it your first listen every single day. In today's show, we're going to talk about the Blazers' loss to the Golden State Warriors. They come out after the All-Star break and they get beat down. Mission accomplished, some might say. Also, some Blazers made their debuts. Brandon Williams, Drew Eubanks, and Keon Johnson all appeared for the first time in Portland uniforms. And we'll close the show talking about Chauncey Billups' comments. He says he's coached three different teams this season with the Blazers. Let's talk about team number three and the and the transition that Billups is making with this new group and, quite frankly, with a new approach. But let's start, as we typically do, with the fastest recap in the West. Blazers lose 132-95. This game was pretty fun early. Blazers led by 10 points in that first quarter, 29-19. And you might have said, uh-oh, this team is tank-proof. And then the Warriors came roaring back. Blazers led 32-31 after one, and 10 points in the first quarter, and the Blazers looked like they were in good shape. But a monster second quarter in which the Golden State Warriors scored 39 points. They took a 70-57 lead into halftime and had 21 at the break. He was 6 of 10 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3, but Steph Curry had 18 and 10 at halftime, and the Warriors had a double-digit lead, and it only got bigger from there. Dominant third quarter from the Warriors put this one away. They were up 173 after 3. Fourth quarter was garbage time. Basically, no starters played in this one, certainly no Golden State starters, and uh, very few of the Portland regulars as the end of the bench was in this one for the final 12 minutes and Golden State cruises 132.95. That's your fastest recap in the West. Ant, 21 points in the first half, just three in the second half, finished with 24. He was really good. Uh, the Blazers struggled in the third quarter. They only scored 16 points. And then the the Warriors paid special, special attention to Ant. More on him in a moment. But the rest of your box score, Justice Winslow, 14 points. Uh, Josh Hart struggled, 0-5 from three. He finished with 12 points. Off the bench, uh, Brandon Williams, 12 in his Blazers debut. Trenton Watford, 9. Greg Brown, 8. And a couple classic Greg Brown highlights. Eubanks, just 2 in his Trailblazers debut. CJ Ellaby, 5. Uh, 5 in the start. It was... Not a great uh, CGL would be night, but it wasn't great for uh, a lot of, it wasn't great for anyone not named Anthony Simons. So uh, uh, it happens. Warriors are really, really good. In fact, they had eight players scoring double figures led by Steph Curry, who had 18 and 14 assists to go with five boards. Klay Thompson had 18 as well. 10 from Andrew Wiggins, 10 from Kavon Looney, 10 from Gary Payton Jr., 10 from Otto Porter off the bench, 17 from rookie Jonathan Kaminga, who took 12 free throws. He, Pretty physically dominant game from Jonathan Kaminga and Jordan Poole added 15 off the bench um, and made a couple crazy transition threes because that's what Jordan Poole do. Uh, some thoughts on on this game. Uh, Anthony Simons was getting real respect from the Warriors twice in the first quarter and again once in the second quarter. The Warriors deployed a box and one so four four players in a zone where you're at the elbows and down on the block like a, a box zone and then one guy shading face guarding Anthony Simons basically like anybody else can try to beat us it's not going to be ants and that one person was Gary Payton Jr. Gary Payton Jr. Gary Payton the second GP2 the mitten if you will uh, and he's you know GP's not going to end up on any all def- all defense teams just because I don't think he's played enough minutes. But he's really one of the elite defenders in the league. Like he he can he 
can guard anyone. And if and if he, they put put him on you, that's a sign of respect. The the boxing one was just it was uh, it was shows how far Ant has come that he is like top of the scouting report, tip 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 top of the scouting report to to the point where you change your your primaries, right? Like you literally change your scheme to deal with him. Uh, there is a difference in top of the scouting report. To, or the, to breaking the scouting report. My man Steve Jones Jr. has uh, taught me to appreciate the, the difference between those two. And Ant is at that level where teams are changing the scouting report to take him away. So one thing the Blazers did, which I liked, was when they weren't seeing that box in one look, they stopped setting screens for him. Because when they were when they were setting screens for him, he was getting the double team and then you have to move the ball to the double team. And it, when he's in there with Eubanks and Winslow and, and CJ who's one for five from three, is why, why I brought him up earlier, like... It's just not not enough shooters, so you, you can you can just cheat off. There's three three separate players you can cheat off, and Josh Hart had a bad game. Like he did not, he he had was shooting sixty percent from three as a Blazer coming into these, uh, coming into the night and was zero for five from three. He struggled on offense for sure. So, Ant without real shooters around him, a real threat of shooters, hard. You know, he's a below average career shooter, below average on the year shooter. So uh, while he's been really good as a shooter in Portland, I think like overall, you could call him a kind of a non-shooter. You don't want to set a screen for him because you can double team and then you can help off the double team. You're just not worried about enough people. So the Blazers did something I really liked was they stopped setting screens for uh, for Ant. They just let him go one-on-one. And quite frankly, Ant is good enough to beat a, a pretty much any primary defender. If he sees two, it's going to be hard. If he sees a ton of help, it's going to be hard, but he can get certainly jumpers up like he's, and he's really good at shooting off the dribble. Like he can get jumpers up without the screen. I liked that. I liked Ant's confidence. A couple times he waved it off and I saw Chauncey Billups do it once in the second half where he's like, do not, do not screen, do not screen. Like don't, don't come up and help him. Cause don't, don't invite the double team. It's going to be like that. <laughs> this is what it's going to look like for, for Ant going forward. So, um, I like I liked that little adjustment. One other thing is that uh, the the Blazers lost this game by 37, but in they were down uh, and they were down basically by that much. They were down they were down 27 in in Ant's minutes. They were outscored by 38 points with Ant on the bench in the first three quarters. The Antless minutes are going to be important. We will track those, and we're maybe tracking them in the other way now, right? Because this was, like I said at the top of the show, mission accomplished. The Blazers did what they set out to do, which is lose basketball games. Uh, that's where they're headed. They're trying to lose these lose these games on purpose, get some developmental minutes, and, and sort of build for the future while making sure you rack up losses along the way. So maybe we'll start tracking. This is the one we um, I'm going to start tracking is Antless minutes. How bad do the Blazers lose the minutes without Ant. In the first three quarters, they almost lost the minutes without Ant by 40. By 40. That's a lot. That is, um, it was bad news bears. Uh, they were, it was troublesome, I'd say. Um, they were in a little, they, the second quarter was, it, the just, game just got away from them. Uh, Ant and, and Josh Hart basically played all of their minutes next to each other in the first half. And when those two sat to end the first and open the second, that's when the game got away from the Blazers. And they just they just didn't get back. A couple other notes from this game is that pregame, I saw Eric Bledsoe get shots up. That doesn't mean anything. Um, he's not going to play. He, he's, he's being held out of practice. He's inactive on game nights. Um, you know, he's, he, he doesn't wear a jersey. But uh, I hadn't seen him do that. And if nothing else, I noted it. I was like, oh, I haven't seen I haven't seen Eric Bledsoe get a pregame workout in when I was at the arena today. He got a pregame workout in. I'm not sure if that happens. I'm not on the road and um, I 
did not check with people who are on the road. So he may have done that in the Blazers prior to uh, to road games. But since I since Bledsoe has been here and he's in, in home games, I have not seen him do that. So meaningless, but a note that I saw from inside the arena. The other thing from inside the arena is that Didi Luzada was in the building. That is uh, the player the Blazers traded for from the uh, New Orleans Pelicans, who's out with a meniscus tear in his left knee. Uh, very unlikely to play for the Blazers this season because of the knee, because he's still recovering from the knee injury. He's he's got surgery the first week of February. Uh, the timeline was reportedly six to eight weeks. That's, you know, the first the first week of April, he could, is he going to come back and play in the final three games of the regular season? I don't think so. So probably not going to see him, but uh, Didi had not been in the building. I had not seen him and he was there. So two, two sort of notable, these are not meaningful things, but things I saw from inside the arena. I'm trying to bring you a little bit closer to the action. Those are things I saw a little bit closer to the action. Speaking of the action, three Trailblazers made their debut in Thursday night's game. Let's talk about what we saw from Drew Eubanks, who got the start from Keon Johnson and, and Brandon Williams, who played, you know, first quarter minutes, real regular, real rotation minutes. Let's talk about the three new Blazers, what we saw from them and what we hope to see moving forward. That's what we'll do in the second segment. But first, I want to tell you about Truebill. It is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't want, you don't need, or you simply forgot about. Look, corporations make it hard for you to cancel your subscriptions. They're trying to pocket your money. So you can download Truebill and take control of your, your subscriptions to the tune of about $720 a year on average. That's what your fellow Truebill users uh, save on average when they sign up. Listen, Truebill is trying to make it incredibly simple because they know that companies make it hard for you to cancel subscriptions. All you do is link your accounts. Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel your unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. You're paying for a service. If it's not one tap literally in the app, super simple, you can pay someone to go ahead and get it done for you. So it's no taps. You just ask for the help and they'll do it for you. I've used Truebill in less than 10 minutes or about 10 minutes total, less than 15 minutes. I downloaded the app linked all my accounts, had an eyeball on all my digital subscriptions. Super easy, saves, you know, super, super quick to use and can help you save money. So don't fall for those subscription scams. Start canceling today at truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Go right now, truebill.com slash locked on NBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Today's show is also brought to you by rockauto.com, the family business that's been specializing in help it do, helping do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Two decades of experience helping you save time and save money when you're working on your car. And I'm talking real money, 30, 50, or even 100% more than if you go to a chain auto parts store or if you go to the dealership. Those places can't save you money and they can't save because it's just, it's not what they're up to. And they can't save you time because they just, they cannot stock all of the items you want. They have physical space. Guess what? RockAuto.com doesn't have that. They got an easy to use website so you can find whatever you need for whatever make and model you got. So why don't you go to RockAuto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, right locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right. Let's talk about some debuts. The Blazers lost to the Golden State Warriors. The plan is to lose, and in the era without Yusuf Nurkic, lose they did. 
the Warriors are really good. Like, they're really good. I, I, there's not, not, not too much to read into this one. Uh, Avery Simons is, gonna, is good enough to keep the Blazers in a bunch of games. I had a conversation with someone pre-game. Uh, who, basically, we were talking about, like, how many games do you think the Blazers are going to win their final 23? And they were like, you know, some, because Ant is just so darn good. This is someone outside, a media member. We'll call them a, a reporter for ESPN.com. Um, like... And it's just so darn good. I think if the, like the Warriors are a championship level team, the Blazers are going to play lower level teams and they're, he's going to be fine. But part of helping him be fine is the newcomers. The Blazers started a newcomer, Trout Dale's own. Drew Eubanks got the start at center and Drew Eubanks in 21 minutes went one for two from the field at five rebounds two points and two fouls. His lone bucket came on a tip dunk. Drew Eubanks is, he looked like he didn't know the plan and Chauncey Billups basically admitted afterwards, he didn't really know the plan. Like he just hasn't had enough time around the team to know what they're going to run. Billups said like every time down the floor, he's like, hey, do, do I go right here? Or do I go left? And like, do you want me to come now or do I wait? Like just getting the timing down and the rhythm and they're going to have some time off before their next game on Sunday. They're going to have time off before they begin a road trip after that. Like they're going to get on the practice court and kind of have a chance to get these guys ready. This one was a real trial by fire and I thought Drew Banks, Drew Banks, Drew Eubanks. Eubanks looked a little, um, he looked out of sorts. Um, you saw the hustle stuff. Like he drew a foul on a box out. That is kind of what he brings. He's strong. He's bouncy. He's a good athlete and he plays hard. Good screen setter. He had a screen where he set a screen in the corner and it literally took him and Steph Curry out with the screen. Like, um, he's dude dude can lay the wood if he uh if he needs to um he, you know he had an offensive rebound where he grabbed it and in the paint and kind of he missed a, he missed CJ LB on the backside had a pass and just wasn't wasn't there for him and ended up committing an offensive foul cuz he didn't make a decision quick enough and then his 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 moan bucket was like just he chased down a tip dunk i you know i i kind of think Eubanks' ceiling is a uh, is a backup center he's actually play be the starting center. You kind of see where he's a little bit out of his depth, but I think as he gets his feet under him, he can be a little more comfortable. Um, but you know, he's, he's not going to like morph into, uh, he's not going to morph into something more than that. I have actually developed a nickname for him. I, I coined this pregame, uh, talking with their adventures of the Oregonian. Uh, he is the shack of Troutdale. Speaking of Troutdale, shout out to listener, Hoove Flair, that is at Hoove Flair on Twitter, a Troutdale graduate, J-U and V, J-U-V and the E is a, is alphanumeric, it's a three, Hoove Flair, at Hoove Flair, shout out to the Reynolds Raiders, uh, I, I promised if you are a Troutdale grad and you want me to shout you out, as long as Drew Eubanks is on the roster, send me a note, lockedonblazerspot at gmail.com, I'll shout you out, let's go Raiders, that's Portland's own, uh, you know, whatever, East County's own, um, but still, shout out, or maybe, I think Troutdale's actually Multnomah County. Shout out to Multnomah County's own uh, Drew Eubanks, the pride of Reynolds High School. Go Raiders. Uh, he was fine. He was fine. He's, he's, he has limitations. You saw the limitations. They didn't, the, the Warriors didn't guard him at the three-point line. He didn't look, he had, you know, caught it at the three-point line, didn't look to shoot. But one time he caught it at 17 feet and didn't look to shoot. He's got to consider the rim. He has to, that's like a, the next step for him. Consider the rim. Even if he only scores inside two feet consider the rim at 17 scare people into making you them guard you because that it opens up passes it opens up dribble handoffs it changes the geometry of the floor you got to consider the rim uh two other guys uh made their debut brandon williams and keon johnson both both got 
first quarter minutes for the Blazers in this one. Keon Johnson is the rookie that came over in the uh, from the Clippers in the Norman Powell and Robert Covington trade. And in Keon's debut, 17 minutes, he finished with four points. He was one of four from the floor, uh, missed his only three-pointer, made both his free throws, finished with four boards. A really nice block in the fourth quarter where he slapped a layup attempt off the glass uh, and finished with two turnovers. Also, Brandon Williams, he made his debut. Uh, Brandon Williams on a 10-day contract. He's a rookie out of Arizona. He uh, he actually, he didn't make his debut. I'm, I'm lumping him in with the debuts. He appeared, he signed a 10-day contract with the Blazers back in December and played two games uh, right after Christmas. I believe the 27th and the 29th of December. So not really a debut, but a debut playing real minutes. Like a debut as part of the rotation, not playing uh, garbage time during the really bizarre COVID month in the NBA that was... Um, not particularly fun for anyone, but a good opportunity for someone like Brandon Williams. But uh, in his first like sort of real trial run for the Blazers, Williams finished with 12 points, two boards. He, and he played 20 minutes, four of nine from the floor, one of three from three. Made his first three, which was pretty fun, early in the first quarter. Made all of his free throws. Let's let's take those guys one at a time because I don't think lumping them together is unfair. Keon Johnson, like straight up, the first time he was in there, did not know the play. They come down, call the offense, had to look at the bench, and they told him where to stand, like in the middle of the of the play. Uh, talk about being new. I like watched it play out right in front of me. Uh, but he has some real athleticism. So real deal athleticism, like his first bucket as a blazer was like in the third quarter was a scooping right-handed uh, or sort of like a swooping, scooping right-handed lay. Like he he's, has some real athleticism and he took that sort of coast to coast to do it. It was in a part of the game that was basically already decided, but, but the athleticism and the fluidity, like dude is a real athlete. Also, he had uh, two plays in the fourth quarter where he where he had uh Nemanja Belitz on him and he took belly to the rack. Like he, he said, what are you going to do? Um, and he, you know, showed a little off the dribble game. He doesn't have like super tight handle, but with a switch with a big on him, he uses athleticism to get to the rim, uh, scored one and missed and, and, uh, missed the other. Like he's, um, or excuse me, he, he missed them both and drew, he drew a foul on one and missed the other. Like, but he's got, he's got a little bit of, showed his little off dribble juice. It's in, it, it's in garbage time. I think what the, my real takeaway from Keon is that he's athletic, and if he could ever put it together, he has physical tools to be an NBA player, but he's super young. Like, he's a teenager figuring it out, um, and this was his, you know, 17 minutes in his first game and hasn't played in a long time for a new team. Like, this is not exactly like a real judge of what he is, but if he ever can link some of his skills together, if he can kind of sharpen up some of those skills— he has the physical tools to be a player. Like I'm, I'm excited to watch him through the rest of the season because, in the in the sort of Greg Brown mold, like as he sort of figures out more how to play the NBA basketball, he already has this leg up where he's just he's just a really good athlete. He just absolutely is. Uh, I thought Brandon Williams was. Um, he's got some offense. Like he can score. He's small. He's small, like he's he's six feet tall, um, and and I think on defense a couple times, particularly in that first half stint, it showed up like he was needed to be in help position or he needed to like get in the passing lanes, and he's just not he's not big, but that that's that is going to be his challenge. Typically, diminutive guards in the league where they get you is on the other end, and I think he showed a little bit of his offense. Like um, he's not a, a lights out shooter by any means, but he you know he looks his jumper doesn't look gross, and he he showed ability to get into a couple mid range jumpers uh, that I like. Like he, um, 
he 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 had a layup in the in the third quarter that was just just a nice move off the bounce. He hit a little runner in the fourth quarter with contact off the glass and one. He hit a little baseline midi there in the fourth quarter. Like he's got he has he has some offense. Uh, I don't know that he's like a long-term NBA player. Like I always say with kind of end of the bench guys, there are so many dudes with like sort of that skill level. Um, but I think you kind of see, you know, what he can do and the Blazers need a backup point guard. They need another person to play those minutes. Um, they could give it to Josh Hart, but if they're not going to, these are fine developmental minutes. See what you got with a 22 year old, um, and figure it out. I think, um, he's also, he's got some quicks and some athleticism to him. Certainly not at the level of Keon Johnson, but both of those guys, like if they've got some physical skills that allow them to, if they get, if their other skills, if they're like true basketball skills, catch up, they can be, they can be players. I, 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 I have no doubt about it. Um, the, what level of players remains to be seen, but uh, I think they both have they both have enough stuff. They both showed enough stuff in game one that there's 22 games left in the season. I want to see them play in all 22, and I want to see what they got. Speaking of dudes playing all 22 games, Chauncey Billups talked before the game about how he felt like he's coached three different teams this season and spoke a little bit about how he'll approach this final stretch of the season. I want to talk about Billups' pregame comments, and we, that's what we'll do to close the show. But before we do that, I want to tell you about Bill Bar, the best tasting protein bar that there is. That's true. Like, I have, I have sampled m- many a, a protein bar. I have I've gone out of my way to find them. And you and I I just cannot find a more delicious protein bar that's packing the punch that a built bar does. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and just four net carbs. Couple that with delicious flavors like peanut butter brownie and cookies and cream, and you've got a fan favorite in this house. I spend my own money on built bars. Like I at one point, I didn't have to do that because Bill Barr was giving us samples. I said, these need to be part of my regular routine. And now I go out of my way to make sure I have them. And I think you should probably do the same. So head over to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15. You get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Gresham Family Law. When you are faced with a big decision that could affect your family and your future, remember that you don't have to face it alone. Gresham Family Law has your back. From helping you prepare for a successful marriage, to protecting your home, to preserving your legacy and ensuring that your last wishes are honored with respect, Gresham Family Law is proud to provide holistic family law representation and counsel in the areas of family law, including divorce, custody, probate of wills, estate planning, and bankruptcy. Call Gresham Family Law right now at 503-465-9900 to set up an in-person consultation at their location at 1217 Northeast Burnside Road in Gresham. Or you can do a socially distanced consultation via Zoom or over the telephone. And for some cases and some clients, home visits are available. Visit GreshamFamilyLaw.com for more information. Still a pass first point guard, still Mike Richmond, still listening to Locked on Blazers. We're talking about Blazers lost to the dubs. We talked about the Shack of Troutdale. Shout out to Juve Flair and the Shack of Troutdale. Go Raiders. Blazers made some debuts, and it was a challenge for Chauncey Billups because he feels like he's coached three different rosters this year. And quite frankly, my man is right, he has. There was the opening night roster 
when this team had high expectations of being a team that could challenge for home court advantage in the Western Conference, could take steps forward after a sixth place finish last year, and could really could make some noise this season. Then Damian Lord got hurt, and it was the post-Dame injury team, right? There was this stretch of, well, Dame's not here, but Norm and CJ and Ant, and we'll see what happens. And now there's roster number three, where it's post-trade deadline and a whole new crew. Tonight against the Warriors, one player who played on opening night appeared in this game, and that's Anthony Simons. Zero starters from opening night. They've come a long way. And... That is a challenge. And and I asked Chauncey Billups kind of how he has approached getting new guys integrated into the system. And he's had to do it a lot. Like it's, this is with Justice Winslow and with Josh Hart and now with Eubanks and Williams and Johnson. And, and, uh, and even at the beginning of the year with getting a whole new roster that was brand new to him kind of up to speed. And I asked, you know, how, how do you go about doing that specifically with, with midseason acquisitions? Not like, how did you do it in, in the fall? Cause folks that's well behind us, but how, how do you do it with, with, with in season, uh, with, within season acquisitions? And, and Billups says that he does it two ways. One, he always calls the coach that they just played for, whether that's the head coach or one of the assistants, he didn't really specify, but he calls for former coaches, guys who have coached these players in the past. What do they bring? What's Justice Winslow like? What's he going to do? What's, you know, call Willie Green. Hey, Willie, it's, what is Josh Hart going to bring to the table? What am I going to, what, what's this dude like? What's his temperament? How does he like the, how does he like to score? What's he, what's he going to bring on the other ends? Like he, he calls coaches, figures out what it is. I, that seems like the right move. And then he also said he watched a little bit of film. He mentioned uh, for Brandon Williams specifically, like he watches some of his G League games to kind of get an idea what he what he might be like. But then he admitted that uh, most of the getting to know you process doesn't happen on the practice court because NBA teams can't practice that much. And even if they have time for back end of the rotation guys to practice that much, you just there are so few times when you can play like live fives on practice because injuries or you guys just need to get off their feet like there is so few practice days in the modern nba it's just it is not how the league works rest and and taking care of your body are just so important we just know more about the human body we know that a long three-hour physical practice amidst 82 games is like bad news bears so the way the league works you just don't have a lot of live practice time so a lot of it's just like throw Drew Eubanks out of the court, tell him, hey, on this one, set the screen on the left side and let him figure it out. And then you learn his tendencies there. Uh, One of the reasons I was curious about this with Billups was that uh, uh, Terry Stotts, almost forgot his name there, uh, was when, when they would get new players, Stotts was big thing was that he would not watch film because he did not want to get preconceived notions of what they bring. And he wouldn't, he would just, what he wanted to do specifically was watch them play and figure it out from there because he felt like getting, you know, watching film or, you know, watching quick highlights or whatever to see what they do. It could say, you might limit, you you might say, this is what they were asked to do at the previous stop. So that's what they're capable of doing. What he wanted to do, and the famous example is kind of, he he saw uh, Mason Plumlee grab the ball off the rim, go behind his back and practice and like run the fast break. He said, oh, I didn't know he could do that. I guess he's going to do that now. And that was something that Mace absolutely did not do in Brooklyn. 
uh, you know, Stott saw it in the practice court and said, cool, that's part of the plan. So I was curious if, if Billups's approach was similar and, and it's, it's not identical because he's, he's watching film and he's making calls, but the, the, the sort of bulk of it is similar. This is how coaches learn is just go ahead and play and we'll figure it out from there. And I think that's kind of going to be what this is for the remainder of the season. Billups also mentioned that he is, he's just going to try new stuff. Uh, he can't say that the Blazers are trying to lose or that the Blazers don't care and they're playing for a draft pick. Like, don't care about wins is maybe more accurate. Not trying to lose, but like, don't care about wins is, is, is probably a, a more accurate way to, to describe what they're doing. Like, they they want to lose, but they're not actively throwing games. Um, it's just, they're, they've limited the roster's talent level. Uh, so losing games has become a lot easier. Uh but Billup said he's going he's gonna to try new stuff. Like he's going to be experimental with rotations. He's maybe not going to have as many set rotations like he would have in the past. And kind of just, hey, let's see what this works. Let's let's try different combos. Let's try different things. Let's try different looks. Like he's going to be more experimental in the final. This was before the night, but the final twenty-two games now. Um, good. Like that's good. Let's see a bunch of different stuff. Let's throw. You know, if you don't need to win, and if it'd be better if you lose. Try a bunch of different things because you you need to figure out what what's a keeper from here February twenty fourth to October first, right? Like when camp opens up, you want to figure out what you have. Obviously, you're gonna have new parts. It's such a long journey from here to there, but like some of that is just figuring out what can these guys do, who helps where, who fits well together, what you know, what works, what doesn't work, what you know, both groupings and all those things. Uh, I want to see Billups experiment. One other thing. I've said a bunch on this podcast that players don't tank, organizations do. And I've mentioned, I've kind of been in the gray a little bit about like, well, coaches sometimes do. Here's an example of a coach tanking. In the second quarter, with two minutes and 51 seconds remaining, Keon Johnson checked into the game. He checked into the game with the backcourt of Brandon Williams. So it was Keon and Brandon Williams in your backcourt. In the front court. The forwards along with them, or the front court players along with them, were Ben McLemore, Greg Brown the third, and Trenton Watford. So that is a rookie second round pick, an undrafted player who was on a two-way contract who was converted, a minimum salary guy who was not part of the rotation when this team was fully healthy, a 10-day player, or excuse me, a, a um a two-way player in Brandon Williams, and a recently acquired rookie who barely played any minutes at his prior stop with in Keon Johnson with the Clippers. That's a tank lineup. I've I've said this a whole bunch of times. If you're a long-time listener to the podcast, you've heard me say this. The thing that a coach does on game day is decide who plays and when. If you put that group out there, that is an example of the coach tanking. The more generous read on it is like those are developmental minutes. They sure are. And if you are develop if you are asking for developmental minutes at this stage in NBA season, you are asking for a loss. The fact that it came after the Blazers were up one after the end of the first, or they were winning when that group came in and then they were losing by the time that group left kind of tells you what you need to know. Um, if the Blazers want to be competitive, one of Anthony Simons or Josh Hart has to be on the court at all times. They did more of that in the third quarter. They staggered their substitutions so they were on the court more. So I'll pay attention to that. I'll pay attention to the Antlis minutes and if Josh Hart is on the court in those minutes. If they go with the super young lineup, which I don't really have a problem with, but it is what it is. If Brandon Williams and Keon Johnson are your two guards and your best offensive players, either Brandon Williams or or what, you know, or Ben McMore would be your best offensive player with that group. But if your best offensive player is, is Benny Mack, along with a couple rookies and, you know, along with along with Ben McMore and four rookies, 
is what it is. That is a group that is not going to be competitive on most nights. Frankly, any nights. They might be competitive, but they're not going to win many nights. Uh, it's it, This is sort of an example of what Billups is doing. I don't have a problem with it. Like, I'm not criticizing the move. I'm just calling it what it is. Like, that's not a winning, that's not a winning lineup. But the priorities have changed. The priorities have absolutely changed. I, I have no beef with it. My, my, I'm merely pointing out that if Billups says he's going to be more experimental and this is the third iteration of the roster, an iterate, uh, a roster that was supposed to be competitive, a roster that was falling apart and losing Dame, and now a roster that is totally developmental, play those developmental lineups. Find out what works. Throw a bunch of stuff at the wall. See what sticks. Figure out what you like, what you don't like. Figure out which players fit what you want to do so that way when you get to October, you have as much information as you could possibly need. Basketball's back, y'all. I'm glad to be talking about hoops again. Uh, they just play again. They play Sunday. They play the the Denver Nuggets on Sunday, and then they head out on the road for a little while. So we will have a podcast for you Sunday after that game. We'll have four more shows next week, five five in total next week, including that recap of the Nuggets game. Going to be a ton of fun. Uh, I'm going to try to get Jason Quick on the show. He is uh, he's he he mentioned this today in uh, in a public space. So I'll share it here. Jason's going to go do some other stories around the NBA. He's not going to write about the Blazers a ton. He's got a he's got some stories in the hopper that I know about, but um. Before Jason uh, heads out to to do some other things, we can get him on the show to share his uh, share his thoughts on the Blazers. So make sure you check for that one. Jason episodes are always a ton a ton of fun. That's a senior writer for the Athletic, Jason Quick. Make sure you check for that one. We'll do a mailbag next week. We'll talk about the Blazers game against the Phoenix Suns. They play to start the road trip. We got a whole bunch of fun stuff planned. Uh, Jamie Hudson of Blazers Broadcasting is very likely to join the show. Uh, we have some scheduling stuff we're trying to work out, but that's a couple interviews, a mailbag game recaps all types of fun it's five days a week available wherever you get podcasts so tell your friends to listen and come back for more appreciate you listening talk to you soon